Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, folks, we're going to jump into the show here in just a second. But first, if you're only listening to the free portion of the Bob Seska Show on Apple Podcasts, Wait, wait, wait. This is taking far too long. Ben Shapiro from the Ben Shapiro Podcast. I'm blitzed on stimulants right now, so I can tell you as quickly as possible, literally at the speed of sound itself, to not support Bob Seska's Patreon page at bobseskashow.com vis-a-vis patreon.com slash bobseskashow. He talks too slowly, and so do his co-hosts. And everyone knows, the faster someone talks, the smarter he sounds. So seriously, don't sign up for Bob's Patreon. Thank you. I'll be over here waiting for puberty. Come on, puberty. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it and send it to all your friends, and we thank you in advance. And now, let the cartoons begin. Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. People ask me, were you, uh, you know, were you, were you must have been the class clown. And I say, uh, no, I wasn't. The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, August 17, 2021. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, how you doing? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Oh, hi. Day 210 of the Biden-Harris administration, 448 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. And here comes Buzz Burbank. Yeah. You say Buzz Burbank. I'm on the phone. You've said it all. Better late than never, right, Joe? (laughs) I I, I, got to go, Mr. President. The show's starting. (laughs) Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, he's Bob. Yep. I'm Buzz. And uh, we're the new host of Jeopardy. <laughs> Thank God they made the right choice there. D- don't believe anything you've read. Uh, oh, man. You'll have to forgive me if I'm out of breath today. Yeah. I've, I've been busier than a ticket agent at Kabul Airport. <laughs> F you for making me laugh at that. <laughs> too soon. Uh, listen, I listen. I feel the same about Afghanistan as yeah. I do about Donald Trump Jr., <laughs> In, in both cases, the pullout came too late. <laughs> you got to laugh. Yes. Can you, can you believe this? Uh, reinstatement day was last week, mm. and, and my neighbor still has his decorations up. God, I hate when people do that. Yeah. Uh, people keep asking, uh, you know, when is Joe Biden going to fire Postmaster General Louis DeJoy? Mm-hmm. Actually, he already has. Huh. It's just the, the letter hasn't arrived yet. Ah! Also in the news this week, uh, the man who invented Sudoku puzzles died yesterday. Uh, 
Now, his funeral will be held just as soon as they figure out which box to put him in. The Bob Seska Show. <laughs> it's the great Rocky Mountain Mike. Yep. Have a laugh. <laughs> I remember Oops. finding out about you. And the day I finally heard that you Turns out Rocky Mountain Mike is yeah. your neighbor who left his decorations up. <laughs> I, I got I to gotta give him props. He's had yeah. the best series of jokes about uh, comparing reinstatement day to Christmas this past week. Oh, I mean, yeah. One after another after another. All killers. Great job, Mike. Rocky underscore mountain underscore Mike at uh, the Instagram. Yeah, go follow him over there. Please do. Amazing photography and all kinds of other fun stuff. Okay. Shit, what are we going to talk about today? There's nothing really going on. I, I'm sorry to report that there's just, I've got the uh, empty bucket of show. <laughs> nothing worthy of discussion. <laughs> now, it's I think a, your bucket is full, but it's it's full of one thing primarily. Sand. I, but at, b- before we begin, yeah, well, yeah. that's pretty true. <laughs> uh, but before we begin, I yeah. think, and I know you'll agree with me on mm-hmm. this, and, and hopefully everyone listening will agree, our focus is still the pandemic, democracy, and yeah. the climate. That's right. Uh, this is... This is the topic du jour, mm-hmm. uh, yes. and and that's one of the things we do is talk about the topic du jour. Mm-hmm. We are, uh, I think, we want people to know that we're just as cognizant about the pandemic and the fight for democracy and the fight to save the planet as we are about this current brouhaha. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, there is some uh, pandemic-related uh, news here that we're going to talk about. Yes, maybe maybe sure. during the course of the free show. Maybe we'll have to talk about it during the post-mortem show. One way or another, we're, we are going to talk about it. It's just right now... Uh, with Afghanistan and 20 years of Afghanistan history to unpack and to put into context. We got to talk about Afghanistan and the ramifications and why we're here, why Joe Biden had to do what he had to do. And that's going to be the central thrust, I think, why this had to happen now. And I think the uh, answers to all of these questions are pretty goddamn obvious. And some of most the, of them, yeah. most of them were included in uh, the president's speech. Exactly right. And it was a hell of a great speech uh, yes. that, that Biden delivered yesterday. He hit all the right notes. If the topic hadn't been so serious, I was going to cue up like the sound of like metal clanging to represent Joe Biden's gigantic balls. And this is really the case. Joe Biden has balls of iron because, you know, 20 years of this and it didn't need to go on for 20 years when you understand what was going to happen inevitably. What has been happening over the last three, four days was inevitable. Whether we had gotten out 10 years ago or whether we get out 50 years from now. This was going to happen. The Taliban was going to come back. The Taliban does not want us in Afghanistan. They never have. And they have patience. Of You want to talk about uh, brass balls, uh, steel balls? 
The Taliban has it. And I'm not saying that as a compliment to the Taliban. I'm just saying that eventually this retaking of the Afghani government and the uh, resurgence of the Taliban was going to happen inevitably one way or another. And uh, the fact that it was telegraphed, Buzz, for so long, uh, for at least a year now, by Donald Trump with these peace negotiations with the Taliban, appeasing the Taliban, bungling into all of this, like everything else the Trump administration had done. And so, in a sense, it kind of set us up for what we're witnessing now as well, on top of everything else that was on the ground, happening on the ground for 20 years, don't you think? Well, as I was uh, telling the president in that pretend phone call at the beginning, (laughs) better late than never, uh, somebody had to do this. And he knew, I think, uh, that he would take a hit. And, uh, you know, this is really a lot simpler, I think, than it than it looks. I think we're making it more complicated. And of course, everyone now is an expert on uh, foreign policy, (laughs) Middle East policy, the Taliban. uh, And and it it really it really gets down to do we want to keep fighting and dying in Afghanistan Mm -hmm. or do we want to admit reality? And you can talk to people who were there two years ago or 10 years ago. And for every veteran who feels their time there was wasted and their buddy's life was wasted. There are just as many veterans, more in my view, who say, thank goodness no other brothers and sisters will die there because we finally put a stop to this pointless madness. Because many, if not most of our uh, fighting uh, uh, force knew that uh, they that this wasn't going to stick. There were signs, you know. They got uh, and and the U.S. military, I think, misled perhaps all the presidents, telling each of them, "Yeah, we're making great progress. We're training, and we got the, the weapons, and the, you know." And and they knew all along that it wasn't going to stick. No. Uh, yeah. And I don't know whether this was to support the military-industrial complex or uh, to justify their own positions or whatever it was for, but uh, I think presidents, including this one, have been misled and certainly in the area of uh, intelligence they've been misled any intelligence failure here is again what biden inherited well the problem is that initially the attack on afghanistan was in obvious retaliation for 9-11 the taliban quickly surrendered to American and allied forces uh, in those early, early days. I forget if it was uh, late 2001, early 2002, somewhere around there. And the occupation, though, continued. And the reason the occupation continued was because in order to set up uh, things that we wanted to do there, we had to continue to militarily occupy the country. Knowing, and the, the reason is, we knew that as soon as we bugged out, in comes the Taliban. Once again, right. what has happened now would have happened in 2002 or at any point in between uh, then and now. Uh, this was an inevitable outcome of leaving Afghanistan. And the problem was it went from being a necessity as far as retaliating for 9-11 uh, into saving face. This became a political hot potato that no president, not one single president until Joe Biden, and to a certain extent Donald Trump, but I think Donald Trump had other motives with all of this. Mm-hmm. Up until Joe Biden, none of these presidents had the ability to be able to say, 
uh, all right, we got to get out of this because they were kind of trapped. No one wanted to be sitting behind the resolute desk when this, you know, disintegration happened with the things but that we're witnessing over the past three or four days. No one Joe, wanted to be presiding over that, right? Joe Biden knows, and perhaps Trump knew before him, that a vast majority of the American people wanted to just flat get out of Afghanistan yeah. and not waste another dollar or another life there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe I you know I think if Trump had a motive for launching this, it was a populist motive yeah. because polling told him this was widely supported. Maybe he thought it would get him uh, even across the aisle support mm-hmm. uh, for his reelection because that's when he was saying this stuff in yeah. September of last year. Um, but, uh, you know, Biden, Biden actually did it by, and, and that's, those are the brass balls that you were talking yeah. about. Um, uh, you know, he, he's willing to take the hit for it. And, and it's unfortunate that he's taking a hit because again, uh, all of the criticism is coming from right wing Republicans in Congress mm-hmm. and the right wing media, 70% or more, actually, I believe the number is more. I've heard even as high as 95%, but we know that more than 70% of the American people support us bugging out of Afghanistan, whatever the cost. Now, could it have been carried out better? Yeah. Whose fault was that? Well, I'm going to blame the military if we've got to blame somebody for the sloppiness of it. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, Military leadership, I would presume, uh, and I know that Biden's commander in chief, uh, I, you know, I don't know what happened there, uh, but I know that it was the right decision. And uh, he, he the president appears to have known that it would be messy, uh, but decided to unpull the trigger anyway. Yeah, the thing that I think they didn't anticipate is that it would happen so quickly. I think they kind of knew that there was going to be a retaking of Kabul and, and some of the uh, other towns and, and that the government was going to be superseded by the Taliban and that that was eventually going to happen. It was inevitable. It was always inevitable. And, and but, they were deluded yeah, into yeah. believing that the Afghan, the corrupt Afghan government would fight instead mm-hmm. of running, but it ran instead. Yeah. And uh, there's been there's been very little violence Violence in the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, yeah. uh, which isn't really a country anyway. It's a, just a territory nobody wanted, and yeah. uh, so groups of thugs fight over it. Mm-hmm. And we can either be involved in that, uh, continue to be involved in that. Was it two trillion dollars? Oh, yeah. how, how many lives lost there, uh, yeah. both American and Afghani? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it 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 went on too long. Uh, somebody, if you want to look at it coldly, somebody looked at it as an investment. Yeah, let's say you have a bad investment, you're losing money, losing money, losing money. You can either keep losing money or you can cut your losses where they are and stop losing money. Mm -hmm. And in this case, we're talking about human lives. Uh, The bloodshed had to stop. Uh, War is good for absolutely nothing, I hear. Well, here's the thing. The drive, the, the meme that fueled so much of this war and to a certain extent the Iraq war as well is this notion of, oh, we have to show strength in the face of the enemy. But my thing with that, and Fox News is loaded with it right now. Suffice to say, I go into a lot of Fox News. I don't have any Fox News audio or anything like that today. But, (laughs) yeah, uh, we don't need it today. Uh, The fact of the matter is, it's all about, oh, we're showing weakness in the face of the enemy. We need to show strength Mm -hmm. in in the face of the enemy. What kind of appearance does it give off 
when you spend 20 years loitering in a country unable to leave because you know that the quote-unquote enemy is going to be retaking all the things that it had before we invaded. That's, my, my, that, that's, not, that's not strength to me. That is loitering for politics. That's what that is. Yeah. It's desperation. We were staying out of desperation to an extent, and that's not strength at all. Showing strength is what uh, Joe Biden did yesterday. That is strength. Taking the full brunt of the heat for this, the buck stops with me, is what he said. Right. That is strength, and we need to define it that way. There is this old script buzz that is being used, all I'll say at least all over cable news, with some exceptions. All over cable news, it's this, we have to show strength. Why did we do this now? It's this old script on an old paradigm that is so outdated that for some reason... Still works. Yeah, well, that's the thing. (laughs) People go back to it. Uh, These analysts all over cable news going back to it, expressing outrage because of the script. But it's not the same script anymore. This stopped being that, you know, let's show the enemy strength. This stopped being that after the Taliban uh, uh, surrendered and then just decided to wait us out. And so how many more lives do you pump into that meat grinder, whether it's Afghanistan lives, whether it's American lives, whether it's allied lives? How many more do you pump in to the meat grinder before you say, all right, that's enough. We got to get out. And it seems to me as if, Buzz, we either do it now or we never, ever do it. Right. It's now or never. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly what I was telling Mr. Biden a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, but I, and I want to compliment you before I respond to that. And, and that is uh, the phrase loitering for politics. I believe uh, you tweeted that. I found that tweet last night. Maybe it was the last one I saw before I went to bed. Hmm. Uh, and and I, I turned to Marsha and I said, uh, that guy's waxing poetic tonight. Uh, and, 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 and you were. You, you have a, a great way with words, uh, which is good being a writer and all. Yeah. Uh, um, and speaking <laughs> of writing, uh, in response to what you were saying, uh, Pompeo and Republicans are doing what they do now, which is attempting to rewrite history. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's more lies. It's more mudding the water. It's more putting out another side of the story when there isn't another side to the story. Mm -hmm. These are the same folks who nine months ago were praising Trump for announcing he was pulling us out of Afghanistan by May 1st of this year. Yeah. This is August 17th. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know what? If that had actually gone through, in fact, if that had been May, whatever it was, of 2020 and Donald Trump had been presiding as president at that point in time, we would have had no choice but to say, all right, well, this this had to be done. I mean, we, we fucking hate Trump, but this had to be done. Right, to- right. Today, it's it's different insofar as Joe Biden had the option to say, all right, well, we've got to renegotiate this, whatever the fuck Trump did with uh, Afghanistan. with yeah, the, the secret uh, the, deal Pompeo made. Yeah. yeah, the deal with the Taliban and Mulligani, and, and that's a whole separate story I'm going to get to in a little bit. But all of that would have gone down one way or another. If Barack Obama had done it, it would have gone down exactly like this. So the, the thing with the showing strength meme that appears to be the dominating meme all over cable news right now is it seems to me as if it's more about showing strength to American voters who give a shit about showing strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's the macho, it's the machismo and, and, and this kicks in whenever the other party's in power when they were in, if they, if they're in power doing this, of course, you know, it's it, 
it's yeah. no, it, it, it this is the double standard. Mm -hmm. This is the mudding the water. This is trying to rewrite history. Uh, and uh, don't believe it. It's very simple. Yeah. We could either keep shedding blood in Afghanistan and dollars, or we could not. Right. And uh, you you can argue if you want to about uh, whether or not the exit is as messier than it should be. Mm -hmm. uh, it was probably going to be messy no matter how it was conducted or when it was conducted. Uh, I'll grant uh, some things perhaps could have been done better. Uh, but it's not too late to fix most of this, and I understand a uh, powerful effort is underway. What, nearly 7,000 American troops there now yeah. uh, trying to get people out, uh, both uh, Afghanis and Americans. Mm -hmm. um, uh, more and more of the Americans are out now. We're down to, uh, I think, uh, bringing in uh, as many Afghan helpers as we can, yeah. uh, whether they were cleaning personnel or, or interpreters or whatever. Uh, so, you know, that that's very encouraging. And you, you can argue the, the finer points of that. But, you know, the bottom line on this, it's really pretty simple, in my opinion. You can either keep losing that war or you can stop the losing here. Yeah. Uh, you can either keep, you know, your bad investment or you can drop the bad investment. And mm -hmm. that's what we've done. The vast, vast, vast majority of American people who never agree on anything agree on this. Uh, he has the support of the American people. So in many ways, uh, the Republicans and Pompeo and everybody can make all the noise they want. But I don't think it's going to change the minds of the American people. I don't think that those lies are going to stick. I think ultimately this is going to be good news for Joe Biden, politically I hope speaking. So. I, think I mean, so. I hate yeah. to put it in yeah. those terms because it is grave circumstances on the ground right now in right. Kabul and elsewhere. But Nicole Wallace said it yesterday. I mean, this quote's been going all over Twitter. She said, uh, 95% of the American people will agree with everything Joe Biden just said in his remarks. 95% of the press covering the White House will disagree. Again, that's that yeah. that's that outdated script this. I was talking about. It doesn't take into consideration uh, continue uh, you know, conditions on the ground, right? The out, the outdated script you mean of of trying to report both sides of trying to appear fair. Well, uh, I, I I I you know, I I god, I fought so hard in defending the news media mm -hmm. and the press and freedom of the press and and I still believe that it must be preserved because you would not like life here without oh, it. Oh yeah. Uh, you would not know many of the things you know without it. And yet we keep seeing this and, you know, it's just undeniable. People keep pointing it out on social media, but uh, it's just undeniable looking at the newspaper headlines, yeah. looking at the news site headlines. And, and you'd think Biden had done a terrible thing here when in fact he has done what more than 70% of the American public wanted him to do. Exactly right. And here's a good example of, of what I'm talking about. I think what you're talking about as well, Buzz, which is this quote from Amber Phillips from the Washington Post, wrote a piece, uh, I think it was published yesterday. She said, Republicans have an opportunity to turn America's longest war into something the Democrats own. They are saying, and probably will be saying for a long time, that Biden owns the fall of Afghanistan. And this is meant to be something that's negative. Like this, oh, you're going to own this disaster, Joe Biden, because the American people and the Republicans are going to say, specifically the Republicans, are going to say you will own this now. And that's the kind of thing that keeps presidents from doing the right thing. This idea that, oh, you better not do that thing yeah, that is the this. right thing to do because, you know, the Republicans are going to lose their fucking spadoinkle uh, over it, Mr. President. Apparent, 
apparently oh. not with this brass bald president. They won't. They won't. <laughs> right. and, and and again, this is one Republican big lie that isn't going to stick, in my opinion. Yeah. Because more than seventy percent of Americans support what he has done. Maybe That's not right. the way he's done it, but certainly they support the way it's done. And war is ugly, and there is no. You know, there is no happy ending. Rarely, it's it, you could probably the rate's probably about the same as amicable amicable divorces. Uh, you know, I, I don't. You know, s- some end amicably, but mostly they don't. Mm, and right. and uh, you can expect this sort of outcome from any kind of war. And so, what are we talking about when it comes to the inevitable? Um, you know, I try not to read things on the show uh, at length. You know, any more than a, a paragraph or a couple of sentences here and there yeah, probably gets a, gets a little exhausting for people to listen to. But there was a thread that was posted by a journalist named Laura Jadid. And uh, she writes for Truth Out. She writes for Salon, um, laurajadid.com. Her uh, handle on Twitter is at laurajadid. Um, she wrote a, an amazing thread about her, you know, experiences having been deployed to Afghanistan mm-hmm. in uh, 2008 it, and then it, again in 2009 oh, into, into 10. Yeah. Is this the thread you posted on Twitter that yes. I read this morning? Yes. yes. Okay, yes. good. Yeah. No, this is very good. Yeah. And so I'm going to read this. And so, so bear with me here. This is an important thread that kind of details the sort of thing that is getting lost in this. Oh, we have America show strength in the face of the enemy. All of this mm-hmm. nonsense sense that has been going on since the post 9-11 era that is so outdated and the shelf life is expired by a factor of 19 years 20 years maybe but this defines what we're talking about here she says Boy, howdy, am I having a lot of feelings about Afghanistan today. I deployed there twice, once in 2008 and once in 2009 to 2010. It was already obvious that the Taliban would sweep through the very instant we left. And here we are today, she said. Uh, I want to read that again. It was already obvious on the ground that the Taliban would sweep through the very instant we left. This was inevitable. She continues by saying, I know how bad the Taliban is. I know what they do to women and little boys. I know what they're going to do to the interpreters and the people who cooperated with us. It's awful. It's bad. But we are leaving, and all I feel is grim relief. Yep. Afghanistan is a dusty, beige nightmare of a place full of proud, brave people who did not fucking want us there. We called them hajis and worse. And they were better than we were, braver and stronger and smarter. I remember going through the phones of the people we detained and finding clip after clip of Bollywood musicals, women singing in fields of flowers. Rarely did I find anything incriminating. I remember finding propaganda footage cut together from the Soviet invasion and our own Operation Enduring Whatever. And laughing about how stupid the Afghans were to not know we aren't the Russians. And then eventually realizing I was the stupid one. I remember how every year the U.S. would have to decide how to deal with the opium fields. We could let them alone, and then the Taliban would shake the farmers down and use the money to buy weapons. Or you could carpet bomb the fields, and then the farmers would join the Taliban. Jumping in here, it's a no-win situation. This whole thing was a no-win situation. From the start. Yeah. Or you could give the farmers fertilizer as an incentive to grow wheat instead Mm -hmm. of opium poppy, And the farmers would sell the fertilizer to the Taliban who used it to make explosives for IEDs that could destroy a million-dollar MRAP and maim everyone inside. 
I remember we weren't allowed to throw batteries away because people who worked on base would go through the trash and collect hundreds of dead batteries, wire them together so they had just enough juice for one charge and use that charge to detonate an IED. I remember the look on my roommate's face after she got back from cutting the dead bodies of two soldiers out of an HMMWV that got blown up by an IED, and I've always imagined what was made uh, with fertilizer from an opium farmer and detonated with a hundred thrown-out batteries. Right. I remember an Afghan kid who worked in the DFAC cafeteria who we called Cowboy, always wore his cowboy hat and an I'm with stupid t-shirt someone had given him, always with a big smile, high school age. Cowboy was a good student and he wanted to go to college in America, but there weren't colleges that took Afghans. The education system was too shit. No program to help kids like him. I looked. I wonder if he's dead now for serving us food and dreaming of something different. But if Cowboy is dead, then he died a long time ago. And if Cowboy is dead, it's our fault for going there in the first place, giving his family the option of trusting us when we are the least trustworthy people on the planet. We use people up and throw them away like it's nothing. And now we're leaving and the predictable thing is happening. The Taliban is surging in and taking it all back. They have what you can't buy or train. They have patience and bloody-mindedness that warrants more respect than we ever gave them. I am team get the fuck out of Afghanistan, which, as a friend pointed out to me today, has always been team Taliban. It's team Taliban or team stay forever. There is no third team. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm sitting here reading these sad fucking tweets about the suffering in Afghanistan and the horror of the encroaching Taliban and how awful it is that this is happening, but I can't stop feeling this grim happiness like, finally, you fuckers, finally, you have to see it too. No more blown up soldiers. No more Bollywood videos on phones whose owners are getting shipped God knows where. No more hypocrisy. No more pretending it meant anything. It didn't. It didn't mean a fucking thing. And uh, she continues, she uh, put together a whole article about that called Afghanistan Meant Nothing. So there you go. That's uh, that Laura was, uh, Respect. Yeah. Respect for her. That's uh, really, really well put. Yeah. And a great perspective on this. And you know, can't help remind me of Vietnam and how some of those soldiers felt about what is the freaking point of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and let, pa- me ask, let me ask, okay. I'm sorry, let me ask you this. Sure. Uh, this is a point Republicans have brought up, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure they're just blathering, but but let me throw this out here and g- give you a chance to respond to it. Okay. What, what message does, uh, what the U.S. is doing in withdrawing from Afghanistan, what message do you think it sends the world? Is it A... Uh, you can't count on the U.S., or is it B, the U.S. helps those who help themselves? I guess it depends on um, who's receiving that message. I, I think it's yeah. rightfully Good. it should be it should be the second one. That mm-hmm. the second one should be should the be. correct answer, right. though. In, I bet in some cases it's the first one. I think a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. especially our allies and some of the allies who joined us in Afghanistan are going, poor America. They, they you know, they, uh, they're just yeah, the next in line after a series and, of, you know, empires fell and, in Afghanistan. And, and since they also had NATO troops there, they also, I'm sure, feel grim relief, as yeah. you described. Well, again, this is not something that is, uh, from this point forward, this is not something that should be exclusively America's problem. It's got to be something that is global or nothing. I mean, at some point, we have to 
come to terms with the notion that maybe this is what Afghanistan wants and that we cannot indefinitely occupy that country and force Afghanistan to do something against its will. Because, so yeah. you're saying give Afghanistan what it wants instead of what we want. Is that, yes. do I hear you? That's okay. what I'm kind of saying. And you know Interesting what? Interesting concept. Well, uh, yeah, the, here's the, <laughs> I know, it's shocking, isn't it? Uh, but, you know, there is that hesitance in me too because I recognize how badly we've broken that region and how to an extent we have, an, we have a responsibility to keep an eye on it. Although, I will say that the way Joe Biden set it up yesterday by saying that we are going to be a, a just-over-the-horizon force who are going to be dealing with counterterrorism right. rather right. than a military occupation and nation-building, that satisfied my concerns about the nukes in Pakistan and the threat that the Taliban poses a radical Islamic regime in Afghanistan right across the border from a stockpile of, I, I think it's something like 160 nuclear warheads uh, right. possessed and growing, by the way. Pakistan keeps making more and more nuclear weapons, and they will keep making these nuclear weapons. And if we don't keep an eye on what's happening at that border... Uh, we don't want those nukes falling into the wrong hands. Absolutely. And you can, I think if I know anything about uh, military strategy at all, I'm yeah. not saying I know a lot, but if I understand anything about it, uh, the U.S. may no longer, uh, for all intents and purposes, be in Afghanistan, but it has it surrounded. Yeah, yeah. That is absolutely true. And we need to, I think, to an extent, remain there only because mm -hmm. we have scrambled Afghanistan so much that I think we have a responsibility to at least keep an eye on it. And again, what that about, seems to are, be the are plan, you, right? Are you, the other thing we hear from Republicans, I throw this out here, uh, what about uh, it becoming a breeding ground for more attacks in and on the United States? Uh, will it lead to a resurgence of Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan? Um, how, do you, how do you feel about those charges that are being thrown out by Republicans? I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's yeah. possible. It's possible it was happening anyway. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. to an extent, we weren't guiding what the Taliban was thinking and planning. To all we were doing is really keeping them at bay, uh, mm -hmm. just holding them off. We were there as nothing but, you know, uh, it's like those jersey walls along the uh, the turnpike, those uh, right. cement barricades. We were cement barricades keeping the Taliban from retaking the government as they have over the past few days. And that was all that we could uh, hope to do. Um, because eventually they were going to end up retaking it. I mean, that's the, the, the whole theme of this is inevitability. This was going mm -hmm. to be inevitable one way or another. So why continue? It's like the whole thing with vaccines. You are eventually going to get COVID if you are unvaccinated. So why not fucking get vaccinated sooner rather than later? You're going to have to use a medicine that was approved through an emergency use authorization why not use the medicine now before you get COVID and have to use some other well, medicine that because, was approved that way too? Because Ron Death Santis doesn't have, or <laughs> yeah. no, it's no, it's Rod, Ron Death Sentence now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ron Death Sentence has uh, stock in Regeneron, right? So, yep. Uh, why wouldn't he want you to use that instead of the vaccine he has no stock in? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Crim criminal offense, lock him up. Oh yeah, certainly. Well, we're going to talk about all of the fuck ups by the Trump administration in this botched peace deal and how it telegraphed everything. He basically gave away the store to the Taliban. That's what Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo did. They succeeded in uh, sabotaging 
or at the very least making things worse for whoever, whether it was going to be Joe Biden or some future president, making everything worse for the next president to have to deal with, at the very least from a politics point of view. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But uh, who's uh, who here has said this on numerous occasions? I wish this bag under my eye would just go away. If that sounds like you every morning, you're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women until now. Introducing the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote, quote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love your product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids, unquote. And with its instant effects, you'll see the results in the first 12 hours or your money back i guarantee it order now and get 50 percent off all genucell packages for summer go to lovegenucell.com slash stephanie again that's lovegenucell.com slash stephanie link in the description at bobseska.com lovegenucell.com slash stephanie thank you the bob seska show More summer music right here from Megan McDuffie. Yeah, a song called You're Not Alone from her brand new Inner Demons album. MeganMcDuffie.bandcamp.com. Link in the description to support Megan. Yep. One of our faves here on the show. Uh, BobSeska.com slash music to submit. We aren't uh, adding any new music into the rotation until September. Right now we're replaying all of the summer songs from 2021. Yeah. And I then, can't uh, wait. I yeah. can't wait for that Labor Day uh, wrap-up at the end of the month where you oh, play all the songs, yeah. uh, all the summer songs in their entireties. Any Music Countdown coming Labor Day weekend uh, with all the summer songs. Absolutely. Uh, okay, moving along here. Oh, you know what I mentioned here just as a quick sideline? Uh, we lost one of our DJ brothers oh, yeah. uh, uh, over the weekend. Fez Watley from the oh, Ron man. and Fez show uh, died at the age of 57. Too goddamn young, yeah, Buzz. You knew uh, Fez. I, and I did. Ron I did. and Fez and that that team. And I I love both those guys. Yeah. Uh, but I was especially fond of Fez, who took great joy in flirting with me on the air. And at the time, uh, as if you know anything about his story, if you've read the articles, yeah. uh, he's uh, he he was in the closet. He mm-hmm. played a gay character on the radio, but swore to everyone in his life that he was not gay. <laughs> and uh, during this period of time, as that gay character, he would flirt with me on the air uh, a lot. And uh, well, you know, I'll just be honest. I was flattered. Yeah. Uh, a- a- anyway, he was just a very kind man. One of my favorite poems is is called "There Are Men Too Gentle to Live Among Wolves." Oh. And he he was one of those gentle souls, a yeah. very kind and wonderful uh, man who eventually did come out and then was plagued with a series of devastating heart attacks 
uh, and uh, other health problems, and uh, yeah. we, we lost him this past week. Uh, it, it's very sad, but uh, the memories of Fez are, are happy, and the people he uh, whose hearts he touched, I'll word it that way, uh, the people whose hearts he touched uh, will carry that joy with them. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I'll never forget is, quite separately from my involvement with you and the Don and Mike show, right. uh, Ron and Fez contacted me after I did this crazy viral cartoon back in uh -huh. May of 2000. I did this oh. cartoon about Metallica and Napster, and cool. it's called Napster Bad. I did a whole series of these cartoons throughout that summer, and it went. they went viral. They went nuts. I mean, millions and millions of downloads and uh, cool. really changed the trajectory of my entire career. It was an amazing time, and Ron yeah. and Fez had called me around that time to be on their show to talk about Napster Bad. It was completely... And then when I said, uh -huh. oh, yeah, I know Buzz, and I know Don and Mike, they were like, hey, Buzz, Don and Mike. <laughs> and so there was just a strange uh, coincidence. But the other thing that uh, I wanted to do, uh, play here on the show is uh -huh. uh, we played this clip, uh, I don't know, how it was maybe a year ago, something like that, where Ron and Fez... Yeah, Ron and Fez were talking about the Washington football team and the yes. name change, and they came up with a suggestion for the new name of the uh, the Washington football team. So let's let's play that clip real quick. Here. Something that has to do locally, and <laughs> honestly, if you said the Washington Donna Mikes, it would make a lot of sense for people. I like that. Here's the problem. Don Geronimo was always a Packers fan. You know what I mean? He never... Uh, you know, cheer his Redskins. He loved the Packers. Mm. But, likable name tied in, if you called him the Washington Buzz Burbanks, I think that would put a smile on everybody's face. Yes! Oh. I second that Listen one. Listen to that. <laughs> these guys, we worked with these guys uh, during 9-11 also. Yeah. And we'd been on the air for a very long time or mm -hmm. they, they had something. I don't remember uh, the overlapping circumstances of these two shows. Uh, the one that I was on and the one that they did, but yeah. a pizza arrived and, and uh, Ron was starving <laughs> and uh, the pizza arrived and he opened the box and he said on the air, oh, look at that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, that line just always stuck with us, but they were, they were yeah. wonderful and I wish they were still going. Oh, strong. I know. Um, uh, times they're so, changing for sure. Farewell, Fez. We love you, and we won't forget you. Yeah, I hope maybe uh, Ron Bennington continues to do a show in some capacity. Yeah. I imagine oh, that he great. will, uh, maybe with another sidekick, maybe with uh, or another co-host, I should say. <clears throat> when, okay. when you retire from radio, what else are you going to do? Maybe yeah, exactly. Whether well, it's podcasting hang, and, you know. Hang out on a friend's show, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh and before we, dive, before we dive back into Afghanistan, but on yeah. a serious note, if I may, uh, again, we know the focus. Pandemic, democracy, climate. Yes. And and on the subject of democracy, one thing I wanted to squeeze in this week was a concern about what appears to be democratic voter apathy in California. Uh -huh. Do you realize that the vote uh, that's begun, uh, people have already started receiving and sending in their ballots. Uh, voting continues through September 14th, which is voting day in California, September 14th. Mm -hmm. Don't put it off because it's a freaking tie right now. It's a, a recall or not to recall are in a dead heat in California. So what does this tell you? Because Democrats, you know, Democrats run Bartertown in California. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they're not they're not showing up in the polls. 
Are they not uh, paying attention? Are they not going to vote? So if you're in California or you know somebody in California, uh, have them vote. Have them vote uh, no on the recall question and leave the rest of the ballot blank and get it in as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, every uh, With a race this close. And who knew that in California a Democrat would be at a 50-50 fighting for his life situation uh, when you know he has the support of the majority of the state. Where is everybody? Why aren't mm -hmm. they turning out? Uh, you know, I may not know the whole story here, but uh, it, I don't need to to know that uh, the alternative is going to be much worse. Oh, yeah. So I, I would recommend that people keep uh, Governor Newsom in place. I mentioned this on the uh, after party on Friday at uh, BobSuskaShow.com, by the way, um, that the thing with democracy is, is that the biggest enemy to democracy is democracy. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the way democracy is destroyed in this country is through democracy. We're going to end up giving it away, either by not showing up or allowing the other side to outnumber us. And, and maybe, we can't allow that to happen. Maybe more accurately, the, the enemy of democracy is freedom because yeah, it gives you the yeah. freedom to not fucking care, right, to right. not get off the couch, mm. to not get involved, to not be engaged, to not know, but to operate from your gut like a Republican. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> As, speaking of Republicans, holy God, the RNC deleted a page from their website that pointed out yep. how Trump wanted to pull out of Afghanistan. This was a thing. They were owning the notion of withdrawing summarily from Afghanistan. This has been a thing for years. I think Trump campaigned on it in 2016. He talked about it throughout his single yes. term. Yes. And then he began to engage in a series of fuck-ups preceding what was going to be an inevitable withdrawal by, I, I guess, per the agreement you, in May of 2021. And didn't that strike fear in your heart each time he did that? Because yes. you thought, oh, God, you know, people are going to like this and he's a complete ass. Yeah. You can't. You know, it, why is this ass doing something people are going to like? This is not the way this was supposed to play out. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I remember having that reaction. But you're right. And and uh, repeatedly uh, over the last five years. Yeah. He's up until last week. Right. <laughs> he's been saying uh, we need to get out of Afghanistan. Well, gaslighting aside, I think we had good right. reason to be suspicious of anything that Donald Trump did, whether it was a, oh, a peace oh, yeah. agreement with the Taliban to get us out of Afghanistan or any point uh, with any other topic. There was no reason to give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt that he would do the right thing in any of these circumstances. And certainly when it came to withdrawing from Afghanistan, he completely fucked it up. I mean, he set this up to the point where he was basically like to the leader of the Taliban, Mullah Ghani, he was basically like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, here's exactly when we're going to get out. So you can start cutting deals with the Afghan security forces and the Afghan government so that, you know, when we bug out, you can just fucking blitzkrieg the whole place. You can just sweep back in and take over and everything's going to be fine. That was essentially what Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo were telegraphing to the Taliban. And this was going on for more than a year now. I don't know when the negotiations actually started, but this was something that was being planned. They telegraphed this and so exactly what i was just saying occurred once it became clear to the taliban that we were on the way out that it was going to be may 2021 or some point thereafter they started cutting the deals not with the united states not with the allies who were there with us but with the afghan forces so that when we left the whole security forces just melted away
There was no opposition. They just waltzed right back in. And, and that was again, that was part of the arrangement, right? Right. And now they're gaslighting on this. Yeah. Uh, as they have every uh, topic that comes up, mm -hmm. uh, re trying to rewrite history, uh, trying to muddy the waters of truth with lies. Uh, and uh, this is how they roll. Yeah. I just, I, I really think, uh, you know, there's, I, I know the danger of what they're saying. I understand the danger of the fear tactics that mm -hmm. Republicans use for everything. I understand, and sometimes their tactics work. I don't think it's going to work this time. This is something that more than 70% of the people wanted. So yes. they can lie, lie, lie all day long about this. Mm -hmm. And this will go on for a couple of weeks. Uh, and, and, you know, and Republicans in Congress may try to start up hearings or something, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and, you know, they, and there may there may even be hearings, but I don't I don't think so. Uh, because this does have the support of a vast majority of the American people. So this time, they're they're whistling in the wind. I want to see polling based on these things, Buzz. I want to see the American uh -huh. people polled on this. And I hope some of the polling outfits actually go forward and, and ask about some of these details. Because I think the details are important for why we're here and why things went down the way they went down. Donald Trump, through this ill-conceived peace deal with the Taliban, released 5,000 Taliban prisoners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some of whom are leading the country today. Exactly, including Mullah Ghani, who is now declaring himself to be president of Afghanistan or whatever the honorific uh, happens to be once it's solidified. But he was released from a Pakistani prison by the Trump administration. And all we heard about over the weekend is about how this guy who again was released by Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo. This guy. This guy, Mulligani, is now you know sitting in the presidential palace as the new de facto leader of Afghanistan. And he was and released from prison by Donald Trump. Why do we not hear more about that? Where is that? How does that fit into the script yeah, and that again, was written 20 years ago? This is my, my brokenhearted disappointment in the media because mm. it really does. I have to agree with uh, my progressive friends that uh, the media seems to be looking for fault here with yeah. Biden yeah. when it is, and let me repeat this, something that 70% or more of the American people support. The press is whistling into the wind at this point, and and I think they're doing it to try to prove that they're tough and they scrutinize both sides yeah. and that they're fair. And, you know, F you. Yeah, again, you know, in the course of trying to be fair, you're missing the truth. And yeah. the, what you just cited is one of the truths they could and should be reporting. But no, they're not doing it that way. Yeah. They're doing it this way. And it, it, I don't need. I don't even understand it at this point. Again, this was a colossal fuck up by Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo. I mean, we remember a year ago, Trump invited. Well, he actually did invite the Taliban to Camp David on 9/11, for God's sake. But the outrage that uh, came about when that idea was initially floated was successfully able to uh, sack that entire concept. I mean, they, they decided to abandon that summit meeting at, the, at Camp David, and rightfully so. But I'm, I'm glad that actually happened. But the, the bottom line is, this was appeasement. Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo appeased the Taliban by giving them their prisoners, by releasing this mullah, mm -hmm. Abdul Ghani Baradar. 
I mean, this was a, a, a colossal, colossal fuck up. And, and here's and, and a colossal fuck up by the media. Again, I hate to you know I hate to mm-hmm. keep uh, pounding on this, but they've they've taken a bad turn here. Yeah, uh, the media may very well report on these things that you're outlining here. But as I pointed out before with COVID, they've given the wrong headlines first. And those are the ones that stick with people. People are not going to remember the subsequent articles you write explaining how this was the fault of the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. They only believe the ones you're writing now, blaming it on Biden and looking for blame when uh, the only people to blame in war are the people who started it. Yeah, exactly. You get one shot at this. Because whatever happens after this period of, you know, four or five days, whatever happens through this news cycle is going to be then abandoned for some other thing. There's going to be something that's going to come along, some new shiny object that we're all going to be talking about in a couple of weeks from now, maybe even sooner than that. And the truth about how we ended up in this fucking quagmire is never going to be fully told because everyone, the American general voters, people who don't follow politics 24-7 are looking in at cable news and going, uh, what's happening in Afghanistan? And they're only temporarily looking in on that news. Not long enough to be able to get the mitigating circumstances, the reasons why. That's not being uh, translated to that particular audience. And or so, if it, yeah, yeah, if it is again, it will come so late that it won't have the impact as these initial headlines. Yeah, the the best thing that I've heard said over the last three days on cable news is what Lawrence O'Donnell said last night at the very uh-huh. top of his show. This that we're witnessing right now in Kabul and elsewhere, this is what war looks like. We could either keep losing blood and treasure or we could stop. You know, a lot of people are going, hey, you know what? And I'm hearing this all over uh, Twitter and Fox News and so on. Uh, oh, we, oh we, there, there should have been something else that we did differently in order to get out to prevent all of this from happening. I don't understand what we could, could have possibly done. I don't know how this could have gone any differently than it actually did. Right. I yeah, don't that's know. A, one of the best questions you can ask on Twitter, and I've seen this yeah. happen too, is... Uh, if you if you're not happy with uh, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, the way that was carried out, what would you have done instead? Yeah, yeah. Don, Anybody like, got any answers? Anyone? Ferris? Right, right. Don Jr. was talking about, oh, you know what? We got to go in there and we got to strafe bomb them or something Macho, like that. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, that's that's your first move, Guys. Junior. What, what if you can tell me the next five moves after that? But no, this is they don't know what's next. They don't know what to do about uh, holding back this tide. God damn it. And and no amount of bombing them at this point is going to change a goddamn thing other than adding to the body count. It's only going to make things worse. So you pull the plug now. You rip the fucking Band-Aid off. That's how it's got to go. And thank God Joe Biden had the guts to fucking do it. You know, you know who's most grateful to Joe Biden today? The next 10 future presidents. That's who, yeah. I mean, oh, the, 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 the next, next president, yeah, sure. the next yeah. president, Republican, Democrat, whether it's 2025 or 2029, either way, the next president should be, uh, the first thing they do is they sit down in the Oval Office is write a thank you card to Joe Biden for, for <laughs> taking this burden off of their fucking lap. This yeah, was sure. something that had to be done, and Joe Biden was the guy to do it. I think the American people trust Joe Biden's judgment. I think the way he acquitted himself yesterday in that speech is going a long way to burnishing that trust. So I think this is uh, this is going to turn out ultimately as a political upside so. for, for Joe Biden. I, 
I, I don't see how it can turn out any other way in, in as much as the vast majority of Americans support exactly yeah. what he did. Yep. He did what people wanted him to do. He did the thing that made sense. He, mm -hmm. he ripped the Band-Aid off. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Yowie gets better now, hopefully. This was uh, Donald Trump. I'll leave you with this before we take a break. This was Donald Trump on April 18th, 2021. This is long after he had been president. Right. He said, uh, you know, of course it starts out, statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States. Mm -hmm. I wish Joe Biden wouldn't use September 11th as the day to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan for two reasons. First, we can and should get out earlier. Uh -huh. 19 years is enough. In fact, far too much and way too long. I made early withdrawal possible by already pulling much of our billions of dollars of equipment out and, more importantly, reducing our military presence to less than 2,000 troops from the 16,000 level that was there. Likewise, uh -huh. in Iraq and zero troops in Syria except for the area where we kept the oil, uh -huh. in all caps. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Secondly, September 11th represents a very sad event and period for our country and should remain a day of reflection and remembrance, honoring those great souls we lost. And uh, and we shouldn't have any summit meetings with the Taliban on 9-11 at uh, Camp David. Right, Trump? Getting out right. of Afghanistan is a wonderful and positive thing to do. I plan to withdraw on May 1st, and we should keep as close to that schedule as possible. That was Donald fucking Trump. And all of you goddamn hypocrites, Junior and Lauren Boebert and all the rest of you goddamn rat bastards who are running away from what you've said, how can you sleep at night? How can you look at yourselves in the mirror? You have no integrity. You have no more. Well, we've known you've had no core values for years and years and years. And good luck and, to you. And for those of you who are rightly concerned about the evacuation effort that's underway now, mm -hmm. uh, you can ask, why wasn't that started when he launched this withdrawal, when he announced yeah. this withdrawal is when that should have begun. Right. This should have been something that we did without telegraphing it to the Taliban. Maybe to, an, to a certain extent, you needed to tell the security forces when we were leaving. And they could have easily turned around and said, hey, Taliban, we got to cut a deal because the Americans are bugging out. You know, right. one way or another, it was going to slip out. But you don't want to just make it obvious. Yeah, Taliban, come on over. We're going to have a party at Camp David. Come and hang out with us. We're going to release all your prisoners, by the way, and, uh, and act like idiots over it uh, when everything goes to shit. Uh, just a, a dumb fucking mistake and uh, making an inevitably horrible situation even even worse. I think my message today is ignore the Republican noise. Yeah. Ignore the sensationalist headlines in the media. Uh, ignore all the armchair pundits and generals uh, on social media and know that what Joe Biden did has the support of a vast majority of Americans. Yeah. And that's really all you need to know about this. The rest of it is just noise, and our priorities remain democracy, the pandemic, and, uh, and the climate. Be deeply skeptical of anyone who says we need to stay. Oh, or and no, we it's need noise. to go back no, in. Yeah, it's warmongering, it's noise, yeah. uh, and uh, it's a minority, a small minority voice that you're hearing. It's very loud. It's it's not only taken over the right wing, it's taken over the mainstream media, yeah. which I, again, do not understand uh, because they're all going against the American people. Mm -hmm. Yep.
And there's a very solid plan in place. Make no mistake. We're not just abandoning uh, Afghanistan well, to let I it do whatever that. the fuck we, it wants uh, as far as the Taliban goes. We're, sta- we're remaining over the horizon, just as Joe mm-hmm. Biden was describing yesterday. And, you know, there's lots of technology that we can use that doesn't require a single boot to hit the goddamn ground. Right. We can do things that, uh, uh, you know, we've seen with technology and so on to keep an eye, making sure that the Taliban doesn't try to expand its reach and uh, go beyond its boundaries, which is the thing that makes me nervous. <laughs> makes yeah, yeah. Uh, makes Barack Obama in particular lose sleep at night. The whole notion of uh, Pakistan and the vulnerability of those uh, right, yeah, and nukes. that's been a nightmare for a very long time. Yeah, uh, right. And the, the the arms race between Pakistan and India. Yeah, one thing I want to talk about that has nothing to do with Afghanistan here in a second is the spike in reckless driving as a consequence of COVID. There's some disturbing oh. information There's that I a have. Connection? Yes, there's absolutely a connection. There's a connection between COVID, the isolation, the Trump administration, and I have a statistic here from the FAA Whoa. that will absolutely blow your mind. We're going to talk about oh, that yeah, in yeah, just yeah. a second. Who doesn't love hanging out in loungewear? Well, loungewear used to be code for hideously ugly sweats. Speaking of people who are on airplanes, <laughs> they like yeah. to wear this shit on airplanes. Do you like my pajama pants? <laughs> You know, Kimberly bought some pajama pants from Cozy Earth, and she uh-huh. loves them. She loves them, loves them. I got to bring her in one of these shows to get her comments on the yeah. uh, Cozy Earth uh, pajama pants. The people known for creating luxuriously soft, cool sheets made of bamboo have done it again. They've taken loungewear to another level with their comfy, super soft selections in gorgeous styles and colors. From wonderful pajama sets like Kimberly Johnson has, leggings and tees, every item is sourced from earth-friendly viscose from bamboo for enhanced breathability and temperature regulation. You'll find something you can't lounge without, wink wink, at Cozy Earth. See why Oprah described Cozy Earth's pajamas as the softest ever in O Magazine. Best of all, go to CozyEarth.com now, enter the promo code STEPHANIE35, and save 35% on their loungewear and bedding. That's CozyEarth.com, promo code STEPHANIE35. CozyEarth.com. Thank you. Bob Seska. Yeah, it's the War and Treaty. Five more minutes from their album called Hearts Town. Thewarandtreaty.bandcamp.com. Yeah. Uh, these guys are going places. These they're going to be collecting Grammys very, very soon. They're opening for I, I, opening for I John so. Legend this fall. It's amazing. Oh wow, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely going places. I love the horns. I love the soulful singing. This is great. Yeah, yeah, excellent stuff. Again, it's called Five More Minutes. TheWarrenTreaty.BandCamp.com. Okay, moving along here. Um, let's see what else. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I just want to give people a heads up on the postmortem show today. Uh, yeah. the, the most daring joke I've ever shared. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm looking a, forward to that. Okay. Be a subscriber. Do you, you, <laughs> do you, did you want to share with us a, a poem about war? I know there's one that uh, you're particularly fond of. Would you like to deliver that now, or do you want to wait oh. for the postmortem show? It's up to you. 
Well, let's let's I guess let's do it now. Okay. Uh, I, I memorized this I think back when I was in high school and mm-hmm. coming out of the Vietnam War, and it's it's again one of the lessons in this ugly pullout of Afghanistan yep. is war sucks, mm-hmm. and uh, that is the uh, stuff of a sort of nursery rhyme written by poet uh, Kendrew Lasalas. Once upon a time in the land of Hushabai, around about the wondrous days of yore, they came across a sort of box bound up with chains and locked with locks and labeled kindly do not touch it's war a decree was issued round about all with a flourish and a shout and a gaily colored mascot tripping lightly on before don't fiddle with this deadly box or break the chains or pick the locks and please don't ever play about with war well children understood children happened to be good and they were just as good around the time of yore they didn't try to pick the locks or break into that deadly box and never, ever tried to play about with war. Mommies didn't either, sisters, aunts, nor grannies neither, because eh, they were quiet and, and sweet and pretty in those wondrous days of yore. Well, very much the same as now, and not the ones to blame, somehow, for opening up that deadly box of war. But someone did. Someone battered in the lid and spilled the insides out across the floor. A kind of bouncy, bumpy ball made up of flags and guns and all the tears and horror and death that comes with war. It bounced right out and went bashing all about it, bumping into everything in store. And what was sad and most unfair was that it didn't really seem to care much who it bumped or why or what or for. It bumped the children mainly, and I'll tell you this quite plainly. It bumps them every day now more and more and leaves them dead and burned and dying. Thousands of them sick and crying because when it bumps, it's really very sore. There is a way. There's a way to stop the ball. It isn't difficult at all. All it takes is wisdom, and I'm absolutely sure that we can get the ball back in the box and bind the chains and lock the locks. But no one seems to want to save the children anymore. Well, that's the way it all appears, because it's been bouncing around for years and years in spite of all the wisdom whizzed since those wondrous days of yore. And the time they came across that box, bound up with chains and locked with locks and labeled, kindly do not touch, it's war. Hmm. I, I assume that's the end. I don't. That's the, that, that, is, that is that is the end. No, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I, I I know it's grim, and I, I wouldn't go on too long. Yeah. But it's a good reminder for us, and I thought a timely reminder of uh, the price of war and why it's good that we've stopped that bloodshed. Yeah, the great coincidence of this poem you just read is that there's a culture war inside the United States. And right now with COVID, uh, the children are on the front lines once again. Yes. yes, And we're going to see reports, lots of reports in the coming months, certainly worsening as time goes on of children suffocating to death. Uh, Why? Why? For politics. The same reason. Yeah. The same reason we were in Afghanistan for 20 years is similar to uh, why children are going to start dying by the thousands. Yeah. Be- it's politics. There, it's, it's there is, politics. It, 
Yeah, it, and machismo again. Yeah. I really think yeah. so. I really, it's that sort of, yeah, oh, my immune system is strong. Uh, nobody can tell me what to do. I'm an American. Yeah. You can do what you want in America. Uh, you know, this sort of toughness, this faux toughness that, that we see uh, is is just, a, whether it applies to war or, or fighting the war against mm-hmm. this virus. Yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, uh, but your kids do because now, and kids are now giving it to adults again. It's just, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah, well, it's this defiant attitude that somehow, if we just do whatever the fuck we want, that somehow we're going to frighten COVID into retreating into its, you know, rabbit hole or whatever. There's all this right. again. You want to talk about an outdated script? The script that's being used by a lot of Republican shirkers right now, red hat shirkers, is the Afghanistan script. Yeah, you know, if we just show tough, if we show strength and right. resolve, we're going to defeat mm-hmm. this thing. Well, Macho. that's all fine for a goddamn bumper sticker, but the reality is a lot more grim. Yeah, a little more complicated than that. Exactly right. So along those lines, I've been thinking about um, this phenomenon that I've been noticing, and that is the increase in reckless drive, people acting like maniacs. Uh, on the roads. And I've noticed this on more than one occasion. The other day, I had lunch with my dad. I was driving down to uh, Virginia to meet him. I noticed all kinds of reckless drivers zigzagging through traffic uh-huh. on the beltway. Aggressive. Z- yeah, right up on your tailgate, aggressively, and z- zipping around you. Really bad driving going on. Really offensive, aggressive driving taking place. And I wonder, is this re- a real thing? Am I just observing this because I spend less well, time driving these days? First, let me lighten the mood by reminding you of what G. Gordon Liddy had to say about this. <laughs> speed doesn't kill. Disparity of speed kills. That's exactly right. On the eight-lane yeah. death strip. Yeah. That's right. No. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we see it in the air. We see it on the roads. People yeah. are more aggressive. They're feeling mm-hmm. angrier and more aggressive. And that now goes for people on the left as well as people on the right. Yeah. Because we've just, we were on the left at least, we're just fed up. We're just mm-hmm. tired of this. You That's know? right. Uh, especially in terms of... Uh, uh, protocol resistance uh, in terms of fighting this vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just we we've had enough, and so now even we're pissed off. Yeah, and you see it. You see videos in in uh, Targets and WalMarts <laughs> of people going off. You see the you know flight attendants are now taking self defense courses. Yeah, uh, to be a flight attendant. Uh, who knew that would ever be a thing? Uh, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of anger out there. I know that uh, during the lockdown last year, uh, speeding was up. Mm-hmm. Uh, accidents weren't necessarily, I guess I actually am hearing that they were because of the recklessness, uh, because, uh, there were aggressive drivers, fewer cars on the road. Uh, a number of drivers felt, well, you know, I can go as fast as I want. Uh, and, and it just got crazy out yeah. there and very, very aggressive as we got angrier and angrier over time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I see it. I think this is a very real thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been calling it the American nervous breakdown. I think it's partly responsible for electing Donald Trump. I think it's partly responsible for a lot of the anger we're seeing, certainly worsened by Trump's single term. Uh, Mary Trump has a new book that's out today called the reckoning that deals with a lot of this stuff, the psychology of what we all went through for four hope, years, the trauma hope, of that. And then how we can heal. Someday. Yeah. What's yeah. that? I said, I hope to meet her someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got to have her on yeah, the Tuesday it, show eventually. Yeah, and, and it is. If I can interject, this yeah. is PTSD. This mm-hmm. this anger yep. is that's a symptom of PTSD. Absolutely. And so we're seeing it. And I thought maybe this is just something I'm noticing that it's anecdotal. But then uh, I heard from a bunch of our Patreon members who were like, "Oh yeah, I'm noticing it too." My dad yeah. said, "Oh yeah, I'm noticing it." And so yeah. I started doing some research. And among many other articles, I came up with this one from uh, out of Utah, where they reported that. 
when it comes to driving 100 miles per hour or more, 2,800 people, and this is in Utah alone, have been cited so far this year, 2021, compared to 3,300 for all all of 2018. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We've gone nuts, haven't we? Yeah, this one sergeant with the UHP, the Utah Highway Patrol, has seen a 46% increase in fatal crashes so far this year compared to 2020. Some recent accidents have been particularly disturbing. Uh, it's as a result of all of this reckless driving. And the other thing that's related to this is, as you were saying, Buzz, uh, it's happening on airplanes. And here's a statistic from the FAA that blew my mind. They've been keeping track of these incidents. Uh, It's under the heading of unruly passengers. Uh And since 1995, on this graph I'm looking at, Uh the most number of investigations in a single year since 1995 occurred in 2004 with 310 investigations into these unruly passengers initiated by the FAA. That was probably pushed back from the tighter security following the terror attack. Yeah, yeah. We see a gradual increase from 1995 to 2004 with the 310 investigations initiated. And then there's a dip for a good long time, Mm -hmm. leading us to the number of investigations initiated this year alone in 2021. Uh 682 this year alone. Again, the highest number since 1995 up until this year was 310 for an entire year. It was 2004. This year alone, 682. And you know, honestly, I've added that to my list of reasons for not wanting to fly. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I'm, I, I believe the airplanes are probably safe in terms of COVID, mm-hmm. but not the three airports I would have to pass through to go to get where I'm going. That's right. Those are not going to be safe, especially in the security lines. Mm-hmm. When you add to that the potential of an asshole being on the flight, yeah, uh, the, who's going to cause trouble and the, the flight gets delayed and everybody has to get off the freaking plane. No, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I could wait. Mm-hmm. I, I'm perfectly happy at home. Lockdown is my natural state. Yeah. 30 <laughs> 2,800 unruly passenger reports this year, 2,800 oh mask-related God. incidents reported, 682, as I said, investigations initiated, 120 enforcement cases initiated. That's so a really that's thousands a lot. of incidents. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this is all a real thing. People in the United States are reacting badly to a series of events, and there's got to be something that's going to cool the temperature of all of this, and hopefully that thing, whatever it happens to be, occurs soon um some other news real quick on covid that we got right before the show booster shots appear to be on the way um according to the new york times the biden administration is going to be recommending uh boosters for everyone especially the johnson and johnson recipients starting in september i believe uh and that'll be for everyone eight months after you received your second vaccination or in the case of I Johnson & Johnson, your first and only vaccination. I'll be getting mine in November. Yeah, I'm going to be scheduled for mine. I guess my booster will be January at the earliest. Uh-huh. Uh, in this article, one slide suggests that for those 65 years or older who got their second shots in January, the vaccine is now only about 55% effective against severe disease. Researchers noted that the data has been a, a wide margin of error and said uh, some other Israeli government data suggested the decline in efficacy was less severe. So uh, take that all into consideration as well. But, yeah, there's a big piece in New York Times about this. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Oh, man. <sighs> Shit. Afghanistan. You know, I was 30 years old when Afghanistan started. 
And I, God, I even made a uh, a movie about it. I made an independent film about this beginning of the uh, the war in Afghanistan and the wow. uh, American uh, reaction to that period of time with the uber patriotism I, and all the rest of it. Yeah, this is another case where I wish we could go back in time and and do that again. Uh, not only would we not have the war in Afghanistan, we'd be younger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this is all to illustrate. How long it's been. I was yeah, freshly years. 30 years old. Now I'm freshly 50 years old. That's and about 20 years by my uh, math. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's a long fucking time. It seems like I was a completely different person uh, that long ago. Just to yeah, put all yeah. of this into perspective, the length of That's time fair. that we have been in Afghanistan. And ultimately, uh, thank God. <laughs> thank yeah. God. Oh, as yeah. they say on MASH, yeah. so long, farewell, and amen. Uh, this show has been about grim relief. Uh, next yeah. week, uh, back to the usual crises. That's right. <laughs> okay, postmortem show coming up next. BobSeskaShow.com to sign up. We got more to talk about. Lots more, including the, what are you describing it as? as the most the, daring joke I've ever shared. There you go. That's a, that and a lot more coming up next. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Have a great week. <laughs>